Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! And now, Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who fights a never-ending battle against crime and injustice, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper. The discovery that Walter Huffman, dealer in precious gems, had disappeared led Clark Kent to believe that Huffman was responsible for the brutal murder of Dr. Chi Wan, oriental scholar and art dealer, and, too, that Huffman had in his possession the dragon's teeth, ten pieces of pure jade that hold the secret of everlasting life. Investigation proved Kent was right. Huffman and Hu Ling, a former Chinese employee of Dr. Wan, are even now en route by transport plane to California, there to board a China-bound boat. As our story continues today, Kent and Lois Lane, star girl reporter, are following in the next plane. Listen. According to this timetable, we'll land at San Francisco about midnight. Huffman only has a two-hour start on it. Well, that may be more than enough, if he can catch a boat. Well, you checked on that before we left, didn't you? Yes, there's a freighter sailing from San Francisco at midnight. I wish you hadn't insisted on coming along, Lois. I could have handled this much better alone. Well, the miracle man. No, I, I I didn't mean it that way, Lois. Well, how did you mean it? Now, don't tell me you could have gotten to San Francisco faster than this plane is taking us. Well, maybe you can fly. I wouldn't be a bit surprised. Well, now you're being silly. Oh, no, not at all. You do everything so well, it isn't beyond the realm of possibility to believe that you can float through the air with a greatest of ease. Oh, let us go. We've got a long trip ahead of us, so just relax. Passing over the Mississippi. We're 20 minutes behind schedule. Uh, looks like bad weather ahead. Oh, really? Uh-huh. See those dark patches ahead of us? Storm clouds. And here comes one of the pilots. Ask him. Oh, sure. We're running into bad weather, aren't we? Oh, nothing serious. Gee, I hope not. Don't worry, miss. Don't worry, huh? Well, there really isn't much to worry about. These big ships are safe enough. You know, I was thinking that unless we can prove Walter Huffman had something to do with Chi Wan's murder, we'll... We're just wasting time and money making this trip. Well, what about the dragon's teeth? The ten pieces of jade? That, I think, is a fairy tale. Do you believe it? Believe what? That the dragon's teeth are endowed with magic property. Well, nobody said they were. According to Dr. Wan, each of them is engraved with a Chinese symbol that identifies a medicinal herb found in the mountains of West China. I know. And when the ten herbs are ground into a powder, that powder will render the human body free of disease forever. My, that'll put an awful lot of doctors out of business. Well, there may be more to it than you think, Lois. The Chinese, in some respects, are remarkable people. After all, they did discover gunpowder centuries ago. This may be another remarkable discovery that has remained a secret for thousands of years. Well, I'm from Missouri. you got to show me. Oh, what happened? We hit an air pocket. A little rough. You better fasten your safety belt. Okay. There. There now. Say, what happens if we run into a storm? Do they land? No. No, they usually ride it out by flying above it. They're gaining altitude now. You're not frightened, are you? Cruise, no, but I don't like it too much. Hey, my ears are beginning to ache. Try and yawn. That usually helps. Oh, here. Chew this piece of gum. Oh, thanks. Oh! And another pocket. Well, what makes the plane drop like that? Well, it's like being on a boat in a rough sea. You ride up to the crest of a wave and then drop down to the trough. Instead of sea waves, we're running into air waves. 
That's about the size of it. Is your belt fastened? Yeah. Well, we'll probably find good weather further up. They usually do. Clark, we're turning over. No, we're not. Just pitching and tossing a little. Well, I'd feel better if there were more passengers on board, you know it. Well, there are just two men up front. Really, Lois, there's really... Oh, oh, that was a bad one. Well, I heard something fall. Yes, I did. The stewardess. She struck her head on a chair arm in the rear of the plane. I'll be right back, Lois. Don't leave me, please, Clark. I'm frightened. Now, just sit tight. Nothing can happen. Hurry back, will you? Stewart has got a nasty crack. Hot coals. I'll just sit her up in a chair. Yeah, that's better. Probably just stunned. Hey, but those motors. They're missing badly. I'm beginning not to like this. Those motors conk out on him, we'll crack up. Maybe I'd better take a hand as Superman. First, out with the lights. Where's that switch? Now, here it is. Where are you? Uh, uh, right here, Lois. Be right with you. Now. The only emergency exit is in the pilot's room up in the nose of the ship. But the door's locked. I could crash through it, but... No, wait. Stewardess has the key. Ah, here it is, right here in her pocket. Boy, those motors won't hold out much longer. We're losing altitude fast. No time to waste. Hope Lois doesn't see me as I pass her seat. Well, here goes. Ah, made it without being seen. Now to slip the key into the door. There we are. Hey, what are you doing in here? Never mind that now. This ship's in trouble. You get back where you belong. Hey, Joe, get that guy out of here. Okay. Sorry, I have to Come do on, this, buddy, mister. Oh. oh! And now you, Captain. You get away from me or I'll kill Put that gun down. Put it down, I said. I want him. Quick shot. That bullet. It just bounced off your chest. There isn't time to explain that now. Sweet dreams, Captain. Uh-oh. It's been a I hope I haven't waited too long. The altimeter. Only 7,000 feet. There's only one thing to do. Get out of this plane and carry it down. Oh. Oh. Uh, you're all right, Lois. Here, drink some water. Oh. What happened? Oh, nothing at all. You just fainted. The plane was falling, twisting, and then... Everything went black. Yes, but the pilot managed to land in an open field. Well, where are we now? In a hotel, five miles from where the plane came down. Now, look, Lois, I've uh, I've got to go on, and well, I don't think you're in any condition to travel. Certainly not by plane. But there's a storm. The plane can't be flying. Well, uh, I've arranged for a private ship. Well, you can't uh, fly in weather like this. It's suicide. Well, the pilot of this plane is an ex-army aviator. He'll get through. Now, you'd better spend the night here and then take a train back east in the morning. All right, if you insist. I think it's best. Tell Mr. White I'll call him the moment something breaks. So long. Bye. And good luck. Thanks, Lois. As he stepped from the elevator on the main floor of the hotel, Clark Kent walked quickly through the lobby, confident that now he could be waiting at San Francisco when Huffman arrived. But unknown to him, two bright, beady eyes followed him. The eyes of Walter Huffman. Suddenly, the jeweler speaks with a sallow-skinned Oriental at his side. Cooling. Did you see that man who just passed through the lobby? Yes, Hoffman. I may be wrong, but he looked very much like that newspaper reporter who came to see me. Uh, Kent, I think his name was. Remember I told you about him? Yes, I, I remember. Was that not why we left so quickly because of him? Exactly, Huling. I thought they were suspicious, those newspaper people. How did he find out we were here by this hotel? That's what bothers me. 
He couldn't possibly know I decided to stop off here for a few days in case we were being followed. Mm, it's strange. Very strange. Yeah, maybe you are mistaken. Possibly. I'll see. You wait here. I beg your pardon, but is there a Mr. Kent registered? Mr. Kent, I'll see. Uh... No, sir. We have no Mr. Kent. A newspaper reporter from the East? No, I'm sorry. Oh, did you say newspaper reporter? Yes, from the Daily Planet. Well, now, we, we have a young lady reporter registered, Miss Lois Lane. She was a passenger on that plane that made a forced landing. And uh, now that you speak of it, sir, there was a gentleman with her. And I think his name was Kent, but he didn't register. What room is Miss Lane in? Uh, Miss Lane is in uh, 507. Thank you. Thank you. Right, old thing. It was Kent. What do we do now? He's not registered, but another reporter is a, a young lady. Follow me. Yes, sir. Fifth floor, please. Good night. Good night, sir. Now listen closely. The girl, her name is Lois Lane, is in room 507. I must find out what she and Kent are doing here. I will pretend I'm a friend of Kent's. We'll remain here in the hall. He returns before I'm through. Lead him away on some pretext. You understand? Hmm. I understand. Perfect. Good. I won't be long. Who's there? Miss Lane? A friend of Mr. Kent's. How do you do, Miss Lane? My name is Schmidt. Yes? I met Mr. Kent in the lobby. He's an old friend of mine. Well, won't you come in? Thank you. Mr. Kent said you had a rather frightening experience. Your plane was forced down? Yes, it was terrible. I don't suppose I'm much of an air traveler. How long do you and Mr. Kent expect to stay here? Well, Clark's left already. He's on his way to the coast. I'm returning east by train tomorrow. Oh, Mr. Kent is on his way to the coast. Uh... Business, perhaps? Yes. Uh, did you say your name was Schmidt? Edward Schmidt. Well, if your name's Schmidt, what are the initials W.H. doing on that handkerchief in your breast pocket? I, uh... I know who you are. You're Walter Huffman. Operator. Operator. Put down that phone. Operator. Oh! Now, pick your phone up. Replace the receiver on the hook. What do you want? Answer it. It was a mistake. Answer it. Do you hear me? Never mind, operator. It, it was a mistake. With Superman a thousand miles away, what will Lois Lane do? Can she alone outwit Huffman and Hooling? Don't forget to tune in next time for another thrilling episode in this strange oriental drama. Tune in the next thrilling installment of the transcription feature, Superman! Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine.
episode 161, The Dragon's Teeth 5, February 21st, 1941. Welcome to Superman Radio Revisited. I'm your host, Matt. And it's time to get into the commentary, just some things that I wanted to talk about that stuck out to me in this episode. So in the beginning, when Clark and Lois are in the airplane, and they're trying to catch up to Walter Huffman and Hu Ling, Clark is bemoaning the fact that Lois is tagging along with him. And he's doing this with Lois listening. And this is not going to go without some teasing from Lois. I wish you hadn't insisted on coming along, Lois. I could have handled this much better alone. Well, the miracle man. No, I I, I didn't mean it that way, Lois. Well, how did you mean it? Now, don't tell me you could have gotten to San Francisco faster than this plane is taking it. Well, maybe you can fly. I wouldn't be a bit surprised. Well, now you're being silly. Oh, no, not at all. You do everything so well, it isn't beyond the realm of possibility to believe that you can float through the air with a straight as to be. Oh, let us go. We've got a long trip ahead of us, so just relax. Oh, Lois, if you just knew how right you were. I do think this is just some good-natured ribbing from Lois, though. There's really no malicious intent here. And I think... There probably is a part of her that that is jealous of the fact that Clark gets fantastic scoops with no real explanation why. They're starting to fly into some bad weather, and but before while that's happening, I wanted to just kind of talk about what as Clark and Lois were talking. Our bombshell for the story, Lois drops a bombshell. When she says that she is from Missouri, and you have to show her in regards to the validity of the Dragon's Teeth legend. The Chinese, in some respects, are remarkable people. After all, they did discover gunpowder centuries ago. This may be another remarkable discovery that has remained a secret for thousands of years. Well, I'm from Missouri. You gotta show me. <laughs> this is a huge revelation, because I don't believe that it's been revealed where Lois is from in the comic books or the radio up to this point. So I just thought that this was really cool, and I wanted to get to the root of when Missouri adopted the nickname of the Show Me State, because I didn't realize that that was a thing back in 1941. So I did some little research, and what I found out is about 1897, one version goes, hundreds of free railroad passes were issued to people connected with the Missouri legislature. And the conductor, when told that passengers on the train had passes, would insist, You've got to show me. Well, nowadays, the Missouri Tourism Department has spun the Show Me State slogan a whole different meaning. Instead, boasting about different attractions Missouri has, like the St. Louis Arch, the Children's Museum, and beautiful nature that the state contains. And I believe it is established later in the comic books that Lois is from Pittsdale, Iowa, in the Lois Superman's girlfriend, Lois Lane, number two, and that there's a Lane family farm. But that does not jive with modern interpretations, however, where Lois is shown to have grown up with her dad in the military, General Sam Lane, and she seems to pick on Clark by calling him Smallville implying that she grew up in a larger city. And I really like that contrast of Lois as a city slicker and Clark being perceived as a hayseed. And for this reason, I'm just going with the notion that Lois Lane is from St. Louis or a larger city in Missouri at this point in the radio serial.
The plane proceeds to fly into worse weather, and Lois is getting more and more nervous, and at one point she says she would feel more comfortable if there were more people on the plane. I really don't know how that would help, though. It's maybe just seeing that they're not nervous. Maybe she hasn't flown that much to this point. But that's really just more people in jeopardy. So not really that great there that she said that. But either way, um, Clark is explaining to her about... He gives Lois this mansplanation about sea waves and all this that can be really summed up in one word. Turbulence. But I do realize that's probably more for the listening audience, as not many people probably flew back in 1941. And the whole fact that they're going to California to get on a boat to go to China, whereas today, probably this would be told through a flights to China. But we also never do, the planes at this time were also never outfitted with this sound. At least I don't think those were in use, those chimes to buckle your seatbelt. But Clark does tell Lois to buckle up as the weather's definitely getting worse that the plane is flying through and the airline stewardess ends up clonking her head on a chair and gets uh, probably knocked out. So Clark goes back to check on her sneaks past Lois to the front of the plane, and he gets in there, and the pilot and co-pilot really need to be focused on landing the plane. I know it's strange that a man just bursted in, and we have to assume he's changed to Superman, and so they probably are concerned, but to shoot a gun in the control room uh, is probably not the smartest thing to do. You need to be just focused on landing that plane. And, but Clark does just take them out and he must, he probably is able to just get out of that exit so fast as Superman that, and he's so strong that I guess the whole cabin pressure is not an issue, which seems hard to believe, but the episode just kind of skips over that as it he says he's gonna get out and fly the plane down to the ground and that just must be what he does and it's not as much of a stretch that Lois passed out or fainted this time because there probably was some pressure issues not to mention she was terrified so it's convenient that she fainted but not as much of a stretch as it has been in times past. So I'll allow this one. So after Lo- Superman saves the plane and he gets Lois to the motel and he's explaining to her that he is going to go ahead and go on trying to catch up to Walter Huffman and Hu Ling. And Lois is saying how he can't possibly fly in this storm, but he's saying he knows an ex-aviator in the army that, or his pilot is going to be an ex-aviator and can get him there. But she's had quite the ordeal and she's pretty shaken and she's going to actually follow his advice and go back to, go back east, they say, to Metropolis. And I found this kind of 
funny because she's telling Clark that what he's doing is too dangerous and that he shouldn't be doing it. But how many times has Lois put herself in danger and how many more times in the future is she going to put herself in danger for the sake of a story? So it's just rich that she's telling Clark not to. But it's nice that she is backing off because I, I must say that she probably is pretty... I mean, the plane was forced to a landing, so she was what she's hearing. And she's probably just really lucky to be alive and not in a big rush to get in a plane again. So it would make sense that she's not going to go on again. But we change to... we was As Clark is leaving, and then we find out that Walter and Hu Ling are actually at this hotel, the same hotel, because he wanted to just takes a couple days in case he's being followed and what a coincidence it's in the same hotel but anyway we hear that as Clark gets off the elevator two bright beady eyes follow Clark Kent in the lobby those of Walter Huffman and Walter speaks to the sallow chinned Hu Ling and I'm just saying what the narration in the radio show was saying I find that funny the the scripters like two bright beady eyes and sallow chinned i think they're just trying to really paint these guys as sketchy by their physical features but anyway so huffman he's going to try to talk to the hotel clerk to figure out what room when he finds out clark is not actually staying there but the hotel clerk just blatantly is saying that Lois is staying in a room and that the, she is a reporter. And so that's real great. Let him know that it's a single woman by herself. And the narration has established that Huffman has these beady eyes, but the hotel clerk is still giving Huffman the room number that she's staying in. And this should probably be against the hotel protocol as unsavory characters could be out to get a single woman or, or man, just anybody on the run that's seeking sanctuary, you know, at their hotel. I mean, at the very least, the hotel clerk probably should have played dumb and at least waited for Huffman to slip him a few dead presidents first. He should like uh, should have held out for uh, Andrew Jackson, which would be more equivalent to a Ben Franklin today, if not two Franklins. In all seriousness, though, shame on that hotel clerk for endangering Lois like that by leaking the information where she's staying and that she's by herself in room 507. So... Fast forward a little bit when Huffman and Huling are hatching their plan and Huffman's acting like he's Clark's friend. He's going to talk to Lois, saying saying he's Ed Schmidt or whatever the alias he came up with off the top of his head. But the Lo- Lois uh, happens to notice the monogrammed handkerchief sticking out of his jacket. W.H. on it, so Walter Huffman's initials. 
Now, a better course of action may have been to smash a lamp on his head rather than tip him off and put herself in danger. But I guess she was just so startled and was saying it before she could hatch a plan. But anyway, the narration at the end is saying that Superman is 1,000 miles away. We're going to have to see how or if Lois gets out of this one next time. Will she be brought to China as a hostage or leverage to use against Clark? I do hope this hits, that this uh, Dragon's Teeth story does make it to China before it concludes, because it would just be neat to see the radio serial go there, I think. And that is pretty much all I had to say about this episode. So I will probably end my commentary there. But I will say that outside the radio show, Action Comics number 35, as that hit the stands approximately February 20th, 1941. And that would be featuring Superman. That's according to Mike's Amazing World of Comics. Action Comics number 35 has a gorgeous Superman cover, and I posted it at Radio Superman on Twitter and in the Superman Radio Revisited Facebook group. And now's a good time to move into intergalactic interaction. So I know I mentioned last time about the Radio Mirror articles. Well, J.P. Roca sent them to me with the covers, he emailed them in to me, with the covers and with the articles. So, of course, I love the illustrations, and I posted those as well in the Twitter, at Radio Superman, and in the Superman Radio Revisited Facebook group. So those are also good ways to get a hold of me. But anyway, there's an excerpt from the first one in the January 1941 issue that I wanted to read, because I think it is probably the first published time that I know of that Superman received motivation when Jor-El laid out his mission, aside from doing good because it is the right thing to do. And this wasn't actually broadcast on the radio serial. And I think if we're to take the Radio Mirror articles as, you know, in line with the continuity of the radio serial, then we're getting some good background that probably was in the scripts, but maybe just didn't make it on air. So... This is important, and I'm going to read it, and it's just after the ship lands, his rocket from Krypton. But he was no longer a baby. He was a full-grown man. He was Superman. He had been awakened by the voice of his dead father. Superman listened to the sound box placed in the spaceship by Jarrell automatically opened when the rocket touched Earth. My son, said the voice of his father, when you hear this, your mother and I will already have perished in the destruction of Krypton. We had hoped to go with you, but I am afraid it will be too late. You are now on Earth. It is the only other planet in the world where the atmosphere will allow you to live. You will look just like the Earthmen, but you are different. Krypton produced a race of supermen. 
Men and women advance to the absolute peak of human perfection. On earth, you will be able to leap into the air an eighth of a mile at a single bound. Hurdle the tallest building. Fly faster than the fastest bird. Nothing will be able to harm you. Your strength will be as nothing that has ever been seen before. But son, you must use your superhuman powers for good. You must champion the oppressed and swear to devote your existence on earth to helping those in need. Beside you, you will find the blue costume, the cloak, and the shield that will distinguish you always as Superman. Honor it. Goodbye. My thanks again to J.P. Roca for sending me those Radio Mirror articles, because I did not know what I just read existed. It's kind of a weird place for something so monumental in the story to appear. I mean, we get motivation for Clark, or Superman, he's not Clark yet, from Jor-El. I think we'll get that later in the comic books, but usually comes from Jonathan Kent as being his moral compass. And we also see that the costume was in the ship. And just to have it laid out like that was really cool. Most of the rest of the articles are just condensed versions of story arcs from what, so far of what I'm seeing. Not really new information. But I got to think that the Radio Mirror articles are in line with the continuity of the radio serial just did not, you know, make it to air in that case. So we will go ahead and move on to retweets. Thank you for retweets from Soup's Super Show at the Superman, or that's the Superman Super Show on Twitter. And... Zane Reed Johnson, so thank you for the retweets there. And Candace Mallard, thank you so much for sharing a post from the Facebook that was about episode 40. I just appreciate helping get the word out. Oh, and I'd have to give a shout out to a coworker, Melissa. So it's really cool that she listened to the last episode and she said to me, What's cooking? So Great job. Did her homework. We're trying to bring that back. I'm not going to kill you. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to tell all your friends about me. You can also send a voice message that I can play on the show through the Anchor app, which is free to download. Thank you for listening to the Superman Radio Revisited podcast. Superman was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster in his copyright DC Comics. All music and audio clips are copyright their respective copyright holders. Thank you and goodbye.
the good, the bad, the weird, and all the stuff that might be a little dated back in the 30s. We have a long road ahead of us, so please subscribe and check us out. The first episode of Reaction Comics comes February 1st, 2021, and then look for a new episode covering a new issue every week until the end of time. Fans not experts.